Welcome to another Kundalini Conversation. I'm your host, Brent Spirit, and my guest today is Tree Wiseblood. Tree, welcome. Thank you so much for your presence today. Hi, Brent, and yeah, I'm looking forward to our conversation. Me too. We've had this scheduled for quite a while, and I can let the audience know a little bit about you and about how we became connected. I believe I first came across your work on Instagram and I noticed your username. I think you may have been on one of my lives in the audience there. And I saw the username awakening through the body. And of course, this is a, a theme that runs through my work is the importance of the body, of, of integration, of, of soothing the nervous system and healing. And so I, I went to your page and I see, oh, you know, you're offering Kundalini support and, and I explore your work and, and I see that you know, you've had years of, of experience with the spiritual path, quite a, a rich and interesting, fascinating journey of healing. And now, of course, you're offering support to others. And so, of course, whenever I come across a person like that, I send them an invite and say, hey, join me on the podcast, because I know you've got some great things to share for those that are out there going through this journey. So if, if it's okay, I'll, I'll, I'll briefly tell uh, our audience a little bit about your background. Um, mm -hmm. Tree is a spiritual mentor, transformational body worker, certified global TRE instructor, which I think we'll get into a little bit. And of course, a Kundalini supporter. Tree's the author of Hot Flush, Dark Cave, which is a book describing her healing journey through the portal of menopause. Tree's also a healer in the shamanic tradition. She's been interviewed on Buddha at the Gas Pump, Seekers, Finders, and Wow Peace. And in preparation for our, our interview here today, I, I listened to some of uh, the interviews you've done in the past. And, you know, very interesting, fascinating themes came up. But I noticed that you didn't speak too much or too directly about Kundalini. I think you hinted at it here and the interviewer possibly didn't go down that route, but uh, today we are, and I'm excited to uh, to get you to open up about uh, your Kundalini process. Uh, today, Tree operates a healing center on the south coast of Australia called the Maher Farm. Of course, this is named after Avtar Maher Baba, who seems to have been majorly influential on Tree's journey. And we'll get into uh, your relationship with Avtar Maher Baba as well, I'm sure. And at the Maher Farm, Tree offers workshops, retreats, and healing sessions. As well, you can connect with Tree over Zoom for Kundalini support if you feel called. So now that we know a little bit about your background, Tree, before we began recording, you mentioned to me that generally you're quite empty uh, and uh, you might need a little bit of uh, some prompting to share uh, and I can relate it sometimes happens that things get kind of quiet. The, the quote unquote story or our history or our past seems almost, uh, like someone else's story. So I won't burden you with trying to, uh, give me a chronological telling of your, of your history. So maybe I'll come up with some questions on the fly. I think first mm -hmm. we can begin a little bit. If you can tell us about what it means to awaken through the body and when this theme began to emerge for you on your path. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, 
I can uh, remember even as a small child uh, in my garden, uh, often with nature. So uh, nature, guru and healing are really important roots uh, for awakening in, in this uh, case. Uh, I can remember being awareness, just pure awareness as a child and feeling that sort of emanating uh, through the body around the body everywhere but I could I, I could really remember that as a small child uh, and then of course you know I think what forms up the ego identity but uh, sanskaras so past life impressions that need working through uh, conditioning and uh, and trauma so of course uh you know, and ego identity forms from all these uh, different things. Uh, the body part of it for me is noticing. So noticing when there's contraction, noticing when there's expansion, noticing when it's sort of a neutral uh, sense. Uh, this noticing of the body and the nervous system for me, uh, is a really good feeling of where uh, where we're working from. So what we're working out of. If we're perched up and contracted, often we're in mind and the person's running the show. Uh, you know, if the physical system is relaxed and calm and the body is uh, more in an expanded sense, then we're often working from our beingness. Beautiful. And, it, you know, we're not the body ultimately, but the body can be used as a tool to see uh, who we are in any given moment, really. Incredible. Yeah. So you, you mentioned here that, you know, when we're in a state of contraction, we are the person or we're operating through the person. This isn't normally language that I use. Um, I'm very familiar with it, having explored uh, quite quite deeply the neo-advaita non-duality um, uh, scene. Can you describe a little bit about what you mean about the distinction between operating through the person versus operating through being and you know being in a state of contraction or expansion? Yeah. Um, an example that comes to me is often we'll lose our ego identity or our person and, and be just the beingness when we are in nature. Often nature can be a catalyst. It can be so impressive and perfect and, and large that uh, the person can just fall away for a time there's a sense of uh, expansion. It's not, uh, there's an ex a sense of oneness. It's not a contracted person driving the show. It's a more settled, expansive uh, framework. Right. Yeah. So I, I was listening to Shinzen Young earlier and he describes no self, uh, true self and oneness. And in all three of those, no matter how you look at it, the, the person is absent or maybe thin, like a translucent in a sense. Yeah. And this is definitely an experience that culminates with Kundalini process, 
which is this this oneness experience. Uh, thank you for for elaborating there. So you mentioned nature. So in exploring your journey and preparation, I I've learned that you spent about three years um, out in nature on on your property, doing a lot of intense uh, healing and purification. Now, uh, in your other interviews, you spoke about it in conjunction with, of course, your spiritual awakening process. Um, and it seemed that you implied that, you know, certain uh, releases of trauma facilitate the development of the awakening process. But can you speak a little bit about that time that you spent uh, out in nature? I think you, you mentioned it was a tin shed. Were you relating with a force within you that we can now look back and call Kundalini? Did you know that it was Kundalini at this time? Yeah, interesting. Uh, it was 2009 and I would have been uh, 47. I had a crisis in my marriage and um, before I came to the shed, I had a crisis and my person was, uh, you know, shattered. I woke up one morning and uh, I was just pure awareness. The person had totally disappeared uh, and this was from trauma. Um, I looked at my clothes on the, on the rack and I was like, whose clothes are they? No one could be found, you know. It was, and I had been with Mayor Baba since I was 21. And, you know, he is the non dual avatar. But when this occurred, I, it was, it was beyond my understanding. Even though I, I had read about non duality, uh, I didn't really understand, uh, what an opportunity this was. Uh, so I put my clothes on and I, you know, climbed back into my person and I got on with my life. But there was, that was the beginning of a total unraveling of this person, which was an absolute gift for me. Uh, so I, my kids went to uni and I did go to a tin shed um, uh, on a property that my husband and I own in the bush and uh I thought I'll have one year to myself just to, you know, lick my wounds and, and nurture myself. And I, I thought I was finding out who the person was, who am I after, um, you know, years of marriage and bringing up children and, uh, you know, all that dedicated service to family, you know, who am I? So it started as a journey of thinking I was going to discover the person and it became um, a much deeper journey of basically the person falling away to whatever extent we can. You know, Mayor Baba says the ego is still there until the seventh plane um, of consciousness. So, uh, you know, it doesn't fall completely away, but it... Uh, it does fall away. Yeah, as you say, it thins out and there's a lot of emptiness. Um, but that was a healing journey. That became an incredible healing journey. Um, and I would say I spent a lot of time in solitude and silence in nature. And, uh, you know, there wasn't, uh, there was electricity to run a little fridge, but there weren't lights or 
there wasn't the internet or anything like that. So um, it was magnificently quiet. And uh, I immersed myself in nature. And, uh, you know, I spent three years. And uh, I would say that now I would say that the Kundalini started to rise mm -hmm. during this time. Uh, and with that, uh, I had openings. I had heart chakra opening. I had a crown chakra opening. Um, and I had a lot of healing and uh, contact with the subtle realm. And I think because it was so quiet and it was, uh, I was in the natural world, uh, the subtle realm started to to come in and visit, visit me. And eventually there were two spirit guides that uh, did healing work on me. Um, and it was, I would say it was a spiritual emergence. You know, I was... Uh, at the time, I would say my nervous system from possibly from birth till uh, after I'd done a lot of healing work was stuck in a fight, flight, fawn, freeze loop. Uh, so I was often very disassociated. Uh, and I think in that dissociated state, you possibly are more not living in the body. You're not grounded. Uh, you're possibly more living out of the body and the subtle realm is it's quite easy to live more in the subtle realm. Uh, but for me at that time, it was uh, perfect uh, because uh, my nervous system was so dysregulated that I would not have sought out healing with uh, people. I was only, my nervous system only was comfortable with nature and animals and um so it seems spirits. So I had some wonderful spirit guides come in. Uh, and often if you repeat these um, Kundalini journeys, you do sound like a mad person <laughs> because from the parameters of uh, the gross plane and, and normal society, uh, you're opened up to a lot more of the mystery. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, ultimately, it's, you know, it's still all an illusion, but it's, it's, it's more of the illusion and uh, it can be instructive and it can be healing and it can be enlightening. So um, for some reason, I was never scared. Uh, I was always obedient to intuition and acted upon it very quickly. Uh, and I feel I was extremely blessed uh, to have this journey, but it was it was very difficult. Even just the rising was a lot of influx from the subtle realm and a lot of um, subtle surgeries and healings and... Um, but I just went went through it. I just I I loved it. It was sometimes physically painful. It was uh, sometimes emotionally painful, but it was 
organically driven by the universe. Like I feel like uh, I didn't have any knowledge about healing or in a child in 2009 when I was uh, 47, 48, uh, and yet all these uh, gifts from the universe started happening and I I had an you know an organic inner child healing and I would lay in bed at night of course not a lot of sleep with kundalini so a lot of heat um not much sleep lots of visions uh lots of work being done on the person for, uh this life and uh it extended into a, a very um heavy past life impression that I had uh and uh yeah lots of healing on one level was done uh what I can remember about it uh at the end of the healings uh uh I feel like you know I, I had I'd opened into oneness consciousness. I felt one with everything. Uh, and yet my person was still there. It was like the person felt one with everything. Um, sometimes I'd be traveling in my car and, you know, I'd see an eagle. Eagles were very prominent as spirit animals. Uh, and I'd see an eagle on the side of the road and he would be uh, ripping shreds off a carcass. And next minute I would be in the eagle having that experience. So the oneness experience for me became quite literal. So many interesting uh, themes there. Wow. <laughs> but yes, uh, you've presented quite a clear uh, uh, description of this state of oneness that, uh, you know, we're seemingly uh, all working towards as we go through Kundalini Awakening. Um, so thank you for that, because I know uh, others out there are are in the midst of difficulty, you know, like how, how you were going through that period out in out in the bush. And uh, for sometimes there's no light at the end of the tunnel, but here you are saying, hey, keep going. There is oneness. Um, so many themes came up there. Um, and part of me wants to be selfish and talk about what interests me, but I'm also keeping our audience uh, in mind here. Um, so there are some who have what we would call a Kundalini rising in the way that you described there where the energy begins to rise, but they yes. have yet to experience uh, the falling away of the personhood or the yes. no self experience. The head based is how I'd like to look at it. The head based shifts in perception and awakening. Um, like you, I experienced the same falling away of, of Brent and within the next few years, the Kundalini began to rise and then my body became involved in the awakening. However, there are many out there who are experiencing the awakening of the body, but don't understand or haven't yet experienced when they hear about things like oneness or no self or non-duality. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. Uh, do you have anything coming to you about these distinctions? Of course, everybody has a different, unique journey. Um, what true. can you say to those that have yet to taste the spaciousness that exists beyond the personhood? Yeah, well, I would say, Brent, in my case, uh, in 2009, there was this uh, 
sense of oneness, you know. Uh, in the first two years, there was all the healing. In the third year, I ended up in bed with chronic fatigue. And uh, I had visions of my body chopped up in a rubbish bin at the end of the bed. And I just got told, surrender, surrender. Uh, and of course, I'm really obedient to that inner voice and I did just surrender. Um, but I was still in, uh, even though there was that sense of oneness and bliss, uh, more an expansive sense, and I'd say more of a heart opening, I would say my heart opened first into oneness. Uh, it wasn't until 2015 that a uh, person fell away. Hey. Yeah, so quite a quite a long time afterwards, uh, I had a awakening, uh, and I had done a lot of trauma work over those next few years. So I did the work with the spirit guides, and then I I studied. I did TRE for myself, and then I studied TRE to teach, and that's trauma release exercises devised by David Buscelli, and I did a lot of work on my own system healing so much trauma and I feel like the personhood you know as I said before is sanskaras trauma and conditioning and a lot of that trauma is held in the body and in the tissue and the TRE process is literally unwinding and it also settles uh, the nervous system so for me a dysregulated uh, nervous system makes for a really noisy person, like quite a big ego identity. No fault of their own, you know, no one's fault. It's just life. And most um, nervous systems are dysregulated. And that's why we don't have inner peace, you know. That's why there's no peace on the planet. Um, a combination of not knowing that we're, we are one and also having dysregulated nervous systems. Uh, so in 2015, I was uh, actually watching Muji on the net, uh, who I would also say has been like, Mayor Baba is my guru. And I would say that Muji has been a wonderful teacher on my path also. Uh, and uh, he was very instrumental in uh, the kundalini occurring in the body to a full-blown awakening uh, at his ashram but first of all I was watching Muji on the net and um, you know he was saying you know you're not this the person you are that the magnificence the wholeness god pure consciousness whatever you want to call it um, and I uh, I remembered, uh, I said, I'm not this, I am that. I said that internally as he was talking. And, uh, you know, I just uh, remembered that I was actually the source. <laughs> and uh, it was hysterically funny because, uh, you know, we say we are all God, but when you when you actually experience yourself as God, and again, I could sound quite mad from some perspectives, but when you when you have that experience or remembrance that God is within you, you are God, and that is remembered, and that the person is just an illusion, uh, 
it's very funny. And um, I was with my husband at the time and we were not at home. We were away in uh, on holidays in like a caravan park in these little huts. And, uh, you know, I laughed for possibly, he says hours, I don't remember. But it was very, very funny, you know. It was very, very funny and it was very noisy and um, he just sort of very kindly, I feel for my husband in this kundalini process, he he has had to follow me around as the, the body works this out, as it tries to contain or um, embody, you know, this shift in consciousness. Uh, so I had uh, a profound shift in consciousness uh, and I eventually calmed down from the laughing hours later. Um, but I was for nine months, uh, I had no thought. Uh, person wasn't there at all. I didn't have any relationship to my uh, human life as such. Uh, you know, my husband would call me by a name and I'd say, don't call me that. It just seemed ridiculous to me. So I must have been very difficult to live with. Uh, my grown-up kids, my kids are 33 and 31, and they'd be like, oh, what the hell is, you know, mum doing? She's not doing anything because I'd always been a very busy woman in the world, you know, in fight and flight energy, I was always doing things. Uh, but for this nine months, I basically sat in this house and uh, stared at the concrete floor in bliss. So I wasn't very operational, but the uh, universe supported me through that. I, you know, I ate and, and sat in bliss with no thought. Um, I can remember seeing my husband in bed thinking, who is he? Uh, yeah, it was it was very vast. So I'd say that was, for me, that was the head waking up, just mm -hmm. a vastness. It was vast. It was dry. Uh, it was a lovely place to hang out as. Uh and yet, uh, you know, as these journeys go, there's more. There's more. Um, and I can remember one night uh, after nine months, uh, I was awake all night with visions. And I had envisioned uh, uh, really quick, like, uh, slideshows, uh, of, you know, mountains, rivers, oceans, all different animals, and then millions of people. And I experienced them uh, not just visually, but I felt what it was like to be each one of them. So particularly when it came to the humans, uh, it was... Uh, quite intense so I was feeling their feelings their aspirations their heartbreaks uh you know the suffering of millions of human incarnations now uh also you know the the beauty the violence everything everything 
that humans participate in, I, I felt in this one night. Uh, whether that was just a, um, whether that was just me experiencing everything and everyone, or whether that was experiencing this soul's past, I'm not sure. But uh, it was intense and uh, it was wonderful because it slapped me down back in the body. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and so I remembered, uh, you know, that there was a life and there was a body and um, there was a, a family and there was a husband and I had work and, yeah. So I feel like, yeah. So Yeah, that was necessary to come back to the body. Uh, and I feel like that is sort of like, for me, that it was that embodiment is like the gut awakening. So I really feel that all that experience and all that uh, depth of consciousness that had awakened now sits grounded in the in the human body. I like the way you describe that. Often there are some spiritual ideas that seem to me imply that this is about escaping the body or even escaping the person. Um, but two themes are emerging there in what you're sharing, like you just shared, you know, returning back to the body. And earlier you, I wrote it down. You, you wrote, you said here that it was like the person felt one with everything. The person being, of course, I guess, uh, this sense of individuality and yet simultaneously there's oneness. Um, that to me yeah. seems like integration and that seems to be what uh, awakening through the body seems to be about. Um, so you've talked about trauma, healing. You, you explained it so beautifully when you mentioned about, uh, you know, a dysregulated nervous system leads to a very big person. The reason we don't have inner peace is because our nervous systems aren't regulated. For some reason, I, I don't know why, uh, it, you know, all of those spiritual traditions didn't put it that way because it makes so much sense when you look at it like that. It doesn't need mm -hmm. to be uh, super confusing. If the nervous system is in fight or flight, there's not going to be inner peace. So we soothe yeah. the nervous system, we address the trauma, and then there can be peace. So straightforward. Thank mm -hmm. you. It is straightforward, like it's super simple. It is super simple because if your nervous system is regulated, you automatically have calm mind. Yeah. 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 So the body is where the work really takes place on a deep level. Um, yeah. So I'm curious, earlier you mentioned uh, Muji, you mentioned Maher uh, Baba. Um and and you said that uh, you spent some time in, in an ashram and that had to do with your kundalini awakening. Was that Muji's ashram or was that Meher Baba's ashram? Mm. Well, I went to Meher Baba's ashram when I was 21. And, um, you know, I had some wonderful things happen there, uh, possibly in great assistance to my uh, spiritual journey. Uh, I went in to visit Baba and... Uh, 
in India, you take darshan, head down at the master's feet. Now, of course, Baba was in his tomb, in his shrine, um, and I, I did that, and I got my head stuck to the tomb, and uh, I'm assuming that Baba just took sanskaras, just, you know, the master takes your sanskaras, not all of them, but um, I think he unloaded, you know, a lot. Uh, and I attribute Mayor Baba to, you know, everything really. Um, the Kundalini awakening happened uh, and I sort of distinguish, and I don't know if my wording is the same as yours, Brent, but I, the rising uh, at the shed was there was like I'd be driving and I'd just be spiralling beautifully like this. It was quite nice, you know. It was very soft. It was just stirring. Um, and actually I share uh, during that time uh, uh, my sexuality changed. Uh, the orgasm, instead of being released down and out of the system, started to rise up and I would have visions of snakes and an S would come out of my mouth um, during that. So it's like the energy rather than coming out of the body, down and out, it started to rise up the system. Um, just a little fact there yeah. <laughs> to share. Um, and eventually, uh, you know, I, I'll mention this too, sex and alcohol just fell away. So after this for a while, um, uh, yeah, both sex and alcohol, uh, both of which I had a pretty voracious appetite for, um, after awakening, they just left the building. Um, I think there was uh, such a sense of uh, wholeness that... Uh, there just wasn't a need to reach out for anything anymore. Right. Yeah. So sorry, I've lost question. <laughs> that's that's okay. That's okay. Some interesting themes are coming up here. Um, I can relate as well. The uh the orgasm, not always, but uh especially with Kundalini, it was completely inward, inwardly uh moving up the spine. Um I think a lot of this uh, journey is fueled by uh, what we call the sexual energy, which uh, in my view is not separate from spiritual energy. Um, so thank you for sharing that because I, I know others are out there are experiencing similar things. And of course it's, it's difficult to speak about um, some, maybe some people don't want to Google search it and have that on their search history or something. And, you know, it can be difficult. So, so thanks for, for opening up about that. Um, Interesting stuff there. Um, so uh, my original question was, um, uh, so you made a connection with Meher Baba. Brilliant. Yeah. Now, the Kundalini rising you mentioned, did that take place later on in his ashram or was that Muji's ashram? Yeah, so in um, uh, 2016, I had like a full Kundalini uh, awakening. And that was at Muji's ashram. Uh, I remember one day uh, I just held his hand. He has a very strong presence. Uh, mm. And he's 
you know, very generous and, and prolific in his teaching. Uh, one day I held his hand and uh, I was at his ashram and that night it was quite bizarre. My hand turned ochre in colour and uh, I couldn't sleep for two nights. Like the energy in my system was... Uh, I, I haven't been a great sleeper since 2009. It's just like sleep doesn't really happen very much. But uh, this... Uh, with the ochre hand, I was just so full of energy that I, I couldn't sleep. Uh, and I was staying at a sister ashram quite close by, and we were going to visit Muji's ashram the next day. And we arrived at the front of the ashram. And as I started to walk to the ashram, my legs started to sort of give way and shake. Uh, I made my way into the ashram where you sign in uh, and I could feel a force that I find hard to describe but that was massive, um, all-pervading. It was like the whole force of the universe was uh, making its way through my feet and up my legs and all the way uh, through my body. And uh, it was hitting every block or, or thing that was in the way of it flowing through. And uh, so my body started to massively uh, convulse. In the meantime, the people were trying to fill out, what is your name? And I said, <laughs> I didn't know, again, you know, I didn't know what my name was. Um, they're used to this sort of thing, so they, okay, don't worry about that. They took me over to sit down. I sat down and I felt the force of Kundalini come through my feet and up my legs and up my torso. My whole body was convulsing. Uh, if you've seen those blow-up sort of uh, advertising dolls that, it was pretty much going like that. Um, my head, I smashed my head against something. Uh, the whole body was going off. I was there with a friend uh, and we were, I, I felt fine. It was just like, it was enormous steam train sound just rushed through. Uh, and it went for quite a while, just rushing, 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 clearing, clearing, clearing. My body was uh, moving, moving, shaking. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine that force that uh, that came through. It was it was almost too much for the system to bear. You know, it was a lot. Uh, and uh, my consciousness again had an expansion into white light. My head was full of white light and my whole consciousness was expanded. Uh, the people at the ashram said, you know, can we help you? What can we do? And I said, I, I wanted to just, I didn't have any strength in my body. I wanted to lay down uh, in a temple, if that would be okay. And they very kindly got a golf buggy and gave me water and let me lay uh, in a temple uh all day and uh 
because of TRE, I'm used to involuntary movement. I'm used to it being a release. I'm used to it being uh, healing. So I wasn't at all frightened, even though it was overwhelming for my body. Uh, there was no fear. It was like, okay, you know, here we go. <laughs> yeah. This is progress, you know, this is wonderful. Uh, so I laid down in this beautiful temple and my body just flicked and shook and released for hours, all day. Uh, and, um, you know, the people were very uh, great in that they didn't crowd you, but they tended you if you needed it. And, um, you know, occasionally someone would come, you're all right, and I'm like, yeah, I'm fine thank you you know like just just let go let go you know I've been guided by Baba many times let go surrender surrender to the process uh so in this whole process I haven't had any fear fear around it I've always whether it's been visionary mystical stuff or whether it's been physical the body you know you talk about waking up in the body like this is, you know, basically God waking up in the body, enlightening the whole system. Uh, yeah, I, I never, I, I've been lucky enough never to fear it, rather just to welcome it, no matter how um, dramatic or full-on, and it has been super dramatic and full-on in my system. There's been a lot to clear. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. Mm. So. I have been uh, somewhat critical of Muji, actually. Um, mm. I, there, there's a talk on YouTube where uh, somebody at his ashram mentions their kundalini process, and he's rather dismissive of it. Um, and so I'm curious if uh, you feel that that was a uh, you know teaching device or uh using his intuition and his wisdom that's how he uh, maybe uh you know shoots right through the whole topic towards the self directly and then in a more passive way um there is still the the kundalini phenomenon around him around his teaching and his work yeah interesting i have seen that exact interview and uh uh they have dedicated people at the ashram that can help you through this. So it's not that they're in denial of it. They're actually supportive of it. But I think, uh, and I don't know, you'd have to ask Muji this, but my interpretation or impression, and I could be totally wrong, uh, would be that some people are extremely acquisitive of kundalini and they think that it's going to make their person better. And so it's instead of being on a spiritual path, uh, they're on an, a path of acquisition. Mm. Uh, and ego can uh, latch on, you know, you know, I'm a spiritual person. I have active kundalini uh and i was i'm wondering if he is sort of uh downplaying mm. particularly in that interview 
to that person sort of maybe more dismissive of the ego that's asking that question than actual kundalini process right yeah that makes sense it's a rather polarizing topic in general some people are terribly afraid of it like you said some people think it's going to uh enhance their personhood give them special powers and whatnot um so yeah that makes sense i'll have to reconsider uh my uh my attitude towards muji i'm actually due to head to uh portugal later in the year and so maybe um i'll have to stop by his ashram there it's in portugal still right uh i think uh monte sahaja yeah yeah okay yeah. so yeah. maybe i'll i'll find my my way there but um yeah. thank you for for sharing about uh the intense rising process so you were fortunate enough to not be afraid of this to have some preparation uh in your background with TRE to understand some of the uh, the ways in which the healing expresses itself through movement, through shaking, um, even going back earlier in your journey through, uh, you know, psychic support in spiritual realms from, from uh, spirit guides and whatnot. Um, but of course, uh, for some people, this is the most terrifying thing. There's nothing... Uh, uh, wonderful about it at all. They're they're deathly afraid, um, and so I imagine that in your work supporting people going through this process, you do come across people that are not as on board with the healing as you were. So, in general, when you're working with people, what are some common themes that you see arising, and and uh, do you have a message for the the general audience here that may be struggling with their their healing process? Yeah, I would probably, uh, I often suggest to clients, and I would say that a, a lot of my clients are uh, from America and they're young men, and they've often had uh, kundali, kundalini awakening through uh, drug ceremonies, you know, like ayahuasca or, um, yeah, so there's been sort of no not much of a spiritual path or no spiritual path, uh, no um, healing journey, no nervous system support, uh, just young men that have just been catapulted into a, a big opening. Uh, and uh, they're extremely ungrounded, uh, and it sort of negates this human existence for them. It, it, I found uh, their life in this relative world, they're very dismissive of it. Uh, so, um, you know, I suggest things like body work, uh, healing trauma, supporting the nervous system, you know, eating right, uh, um also telling them about the fact that this human existence is the place for awakening so this incarnation and this body is uh precious and very much a part of our awakening process awakening to our truest nature uh without this body and without this incarnation you know we don't have that opportunity 
So it is of importance. Yeah, and, uh, you know, like sometimes in my past I've, I've had to go out and lay on the ground, you know, in nature, lots of stuff in nature, grounding, laying on the earth, uh, swimming in the ocean, swimming in the rivers, you know, tending to this body uh, because some of them are finding uh, the process overwhelming, uh, which it can be. Uh, so I like to normalise it too, that it's not a pathology, that it's... Um, it's an involutionary process. So we evolve and then we start the involution, which was the interning into remembering who we are. And Kundalini is uh, a natural part of that. So even just normalizing it. Um, and it seems the more you fight it, the, the trickier it can become. So surrendering to it but also knowing ways uh, to support yourself. Can you share yeah. some ways, some ways to support yourself uh, on top mm -hmm. of what you mentioned there, eating, eating right, um, honoring human life uh, as precious, spending mm -hmm. time in nature, anything else coming to mind? Yeah, uh, the fact that, you know, uh, some people have uh, Kundalini is awoken and they're not on a spiritual path, you know. This is about a shift in consciousness. This isn't just about, uh, you know, getting getting Kundalini. Mm. Yeah. I feel like Westerners often, you know, I want Kundalini. I'm doing Kundalini yoga. A lot of Kundalini yoga teachers have never experienced Kundalini. Uh, it seems very acquisitive. Be careful what you ask for, you know. <laughs> um, there's other ways of uh, having transcendent experiences than drugs. I, you know, I'm I'm not pro the drug. Uh, you know, some people have wonderful experiences. Some people have openings, and some people. Uh, depression is treated so I'm not discounting it but my feeling is mm, there's also I I get to hear a lot of stories where people are blown out of the water and they're they're not going well yeah, yeah. so I would say there's other things uh, to, to open uh, out of your contracted ego identity uh, there's body work you know there's breath work there's something uh, that I discovered in my early journey called toning uh, when I, I couldn't meditate because my physical system was full of so many sensations that if someone asked me to sit and meditate with them I would be like oh I can't that's too too hard like no I'm in fight and flight I can't sit with myself uh so for me, toning, which is making sound, and I didn't realise in 2009 about the vagus nerve and how making sound, you know, tones the vagus nerve, but, you know, the universe guided me to go out under the moon and uh, sit in nature and tone. So that was my meditation, an active form of meditation that 
my system could handle and it also toned my vagus nerve. Um, sorry, I'm just following train of thoughts here, but things people can do instead of, yeah, to get transpersonal experiences, to expand their consciousness. There's a lot of other things than drugs uh, or... Yeah, and that's just my experience because I get a lot of young male clients from America. Um, I trained with uh, Bonnie Greenwell to support uh, people in Kundalini and um, a lot of people since she's passed on have been referenced on. Uh, and I would say they are the majority of my clients, you know, that are really struggling. Uh, so I would say... Yeah, maybe try something else other than the yeah than the drugs for expansion. Yeah. Um also too, maybe do the hard work for expansion. <laughs> yeah. You know, again, like with now, you know. <laughs> yeah, but that's just me. That's just me. Yeah. No, I think it's very mm. valid. I, I experienced the same uh type of thing with a lot of people that are you know, having a awakenings due to psychedelics without proper preparation. And I, I would yeah. totally fall into the camp that you're mentioning, a young man from, from North America. Of course, I'm, I'm from Canada, but uh, psychedelics played a very important role on my journey. And um, I didn't, when I first started doing this work, I wasn't open about that. Um, I kind of just uh, skirted around it because I didn't want to, perpetuate this idea that this is going to you know just be the answer just take ayahuasca or mushrooms or, or lsd um and have an awakening and so i i didn't talk about it i i've begun speaking about it now but i i put a lot of disclaimers and prefaces and saying hey before i i took any of these i was on a spiritual journey already and a lot went into my yeah. journey prior i didn't just take those things um, because I see the same thing. It's it's great that uh, people are more open to these things, and I think it is helping the mm. uh, uh, you know the the shifts collectively and the acceleration that we're experiencing. Overall, it's yeah. good, but uh, I feel that it's irresponsible to be uh, um, you know promoting these things uh, <laughs> without um, also offering like real spiritual work, which which takes work, right? It takes a lot of work. It's difficult. Um, I mean, your journey alone, you described years of going through intense healings and um, purification process. Um, I think the greatest drug is uh, this energy. It's, it's God. It's God waking up in us. This is the greatest drug. Nothing yeah. uh, nothing comes close. I can yeah. add to to one uh, one point, you know, what can people do? I mean, they can... They can uh, take a page from your book and they can connect with mystics and, and allow their support to also uh, help. Uh, I think uh, like you, uh, the support that I've received from guides has been, you know, in some respects far greater than, uh, than the drugs themselves. Um, yeah. Can we talk a little bit about that? And so you mentioned two spirit guides came to support you in your healing work uh can you let us know a little bit about those two spirit guides uh, uh yeah i think because i was 
sitting out, I'd often bow to the sun and bow to the moon, you know, when the moon's in the sky in the day and it's really magnificent as well. Uh, I would be out toning and, uh, you know, under different moons in different weather, you know, really, uh, and I do this with workshops now, I take people to the river in the dark in the morning and we swim and the sun comes up or we're out under the moon and we're we're toning. It's like coming out of our comfort zone in a supported way and uh, realising the majesty and the magnificence of nature. Now, I've lost your question, Brent. I'm sorry I went off on that. No, that's okay. That's okay. A, a lot of different uh, themes are coming up, and it's speaking to somebody out there, I'm sure. But I was asking about the two uh, spirit guides. Thank you. Okay. So because I was doing all this, possibly these spirit guides went, okay, this this lady down there in Australia, you know, is ripe for our attention. You know, uh, because I was sort of so earth-based and nature-based, uh, I had um, uh, two Native American Indian guides turn up. Uh, one was called Eagle Spirit Man, and I also had a lot of contacts here where I live with eagles, like in the, in the middle world, in this world. Uh, physically coming, circling over the house, often coming with messages and support. Uh, but this man was an eagle spirit man and he was very light and he just hung around for the three years uh, and uh, was just like a guiding light, like very enlightening. He was very light-filled. Uh, the other man was more earth-based. He was called Buffalo Man. He had horns and he was uh, a shamanic healer. Uh, he had a staff and a cloak on and uh, he would come to me when I was out in the circle that I was guided to make on my property Then I would go over and do my toning uh, meditation uh, and one time he again I'm going to sound like a crazy lady but I'm not <laughs> but he came into into me and uh, he sort of almost like came into my body and it, there was this sense of oneness and it was it was beautiful and it was, he was very earthy he also uh smoked and so i did for a while start smoking tobacco only in the circle but it was almost like there was this uh smoking thing happening for a very small time rolling tobacco uh and uh my husband was quite psychic so one time I went he was visiting at the shed at the time and I went down to him and uh he didn't really know what was what I was up to he jumped going to the circle yeah whatever you know enjoy um but he could read 
palms and he hates doing it but I came back and I thought oh you know maybe you're getting a little bit out there just just uh, check in so I asked him to read my palm he knew nothing of these guides and he looked in my palm and uh, oh and he said oh oh that's freaky oh it's you but it's not you you're some sort of like American Indian man with buffalo horns and oh and he just sort of pushed my hand away it was too much to look at um and I went oh okay good you know it's okay <laughs> it's okay it sort of just verified for me um but in that early when I was 40 I am 61 now when I was 48 and around that era uh you know, it was very wild. It was very ungrounded. It was uh, pretty intense, really, working with these guides. Uh, and in fact, if I had been in another family, I could have very easily been committed into a mental asylum. Yeah. Yeah. I never once felt uh, that... Uh, I was mentally unstable. I always felt that I was communing with the subtle realm. Right. And that, that it was okay, but it was pretty intense. Yeah. Uh, and this, uh, so they literally did psychic surgery on me to remove wounds. Uh, a lot of childhood stuff came up. I'd have visions of um, wallpapers and door handles and things in childhood homes. So it was all like leaving the system in an energetic way. And so that's how my healing journey started uh, with these two guides. Uh, it later got to more physically in the flesh with TRE and then transformational body work. Uh, it was really getting into the body and removing stuff. Uh, but Buffalo Man uh, was uh, so impressed with this little old lady that was going out to the um, to nature at night like this, you know, uh, that he loved what I was on about and... Uh, one night in a ceremony, he handed me his staff and my spirit guides are crow and eagle and he'd put on, and this is all in uh, in visionary language, uh, right. put a crow feather and he had put a eagle feather on the staff and he handed it to me and he said, you know, across space and time, you do the work now. You do this work, my work. Um, and so I sort of kept healing myself and eventually uh, came to a point after much trauma healing where I now heal other beings. Yeah. Um, Fascinating. Mm. So you were initiated into offering a, a similar type of healing work. And I, I guess this, along with the other modalities, informs your approach. Um, so I've got a couple more things to get to. But for those that are interested, uh, the links to Tree's work will be in the description if they feel like checking it out now. Um, so thank you for sharing about uh, your encounters with the spirit guides. Throughout our conversation, you've mentioned things like, you know, I must sound mad, you know, I'm a 
you know, people might think I'm crazy. And uh, I, I, of course, don't think you are at all. I, I don't think anything is wrong with with us. And part of why I'm doing this this work here is yeah. to to be a, a a voice and to I have people on like yourself who are uh, well integrated into the world, um, high functioning, and also having these non ordinary experiences to offer validation for those that are whose family, for example, may not be accepting of them. Maybe you know labeling them, pathologizing them, and whatnot. Um, there's a great uh, documentary called Crazy Wise. Maybe you're familiar with it, but um, uh, it, it it compares the the Western approach to some of the people that are having spiritual experiences like yourself with the uh, approach of the indigenous cultures around the world. And you know, like like you, the indigenous cultures never seem to have pathologized these people. They actually revered them and said, "Wow." You know, you're able to see things that the average person is not, and therefore you will be invited to, to become a healer or a guide or a shaman. Um, whereas yeah. over here we say, oh, there's something wrong with you. You need to take some, 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 some pills uh, and be locked up uh, and be monitored and and stigmatized and labeled and and all of this. And it's uh, it's it's a it's a great. Um, it's uh, it's it's very sad. It's very sad, but you know, thankfully, you know, you're out there doing your work and inspiring others, showing that that there is a different way, um, to all of this. So yeah. thank you. And um, I feel like it is such a journey, Brent. It's like, uh, you know, there are these different awakenings, and some of them you're not overly functional, you know. But when it comes down to being embodied and the gut opening. Uh, you do become functional and you do uh, you can be of service in the world when when you know it's not to say it's finished it's obviously an ongoing process uh, of deepening into the mystery and uh, you know making this vessel freer and freer to carry more and more light um, can I explain to your viewers, you know, how I experienced after that 2015 uh, Kundalini, how it manifested for me? Because I know a lot of people are, are scared and uh, I would say that my, my experience was more on the dramatic side. So, and I was fine with it and I'm, I'm really well now, so I just would like to, yeah, maybe share. Um, my body would go into mudras. Now, I didn't know what they were because I don't study that, um, you know, that that thing or what that is, but I would just allow my body. Well, it was no stopping it. Spontaneously, it would form mudras. Um, there'd be verbal utterances, you know. Often I'd be with friends at dinner and you know just uh, big outburst uh, um but because i had a shift in consciousness before the kundalini awakening i don't get self-conscious like there's not that self-consciousness of the person anymore so i don't mind you know i don't mind uh, what happens or you know i can talk about anything and it's it doesn't really worry me uh, you know, I'd go into uh, often careers, of course, um, sacred dance moves like uh, like 
that I don't know, but my body would go into uh, sacred dance moves, uh, strange breath work, uh, really mouth breathing, uh, massive mouth breathing sort of situations, uh, spontaneous uh, yoga poses, and I don't do yoga, and that's quite shocking. Um, and I've had uh, uh, Shiva and um, Kali and different Dakinis all sort of hop into my body and move it. Yeah, uh, and you know that's that's been lovely and and magnificent. Uh, it's been hard for my husband, so for people with you know partners or family uh, living through it. Uh, one night here was very difficult on him. My body went into spontaneous breathing, and uh, I ran. I literally ran outside. Uh, into the front paddock and my body started to he kindly came out after me and uh it started my body started to go into you know spontaneous back bends and you know I'm I'm not very fit uh, I can't do spontaneous back bends but my body did you know and my uh uh consciousness just expanded into the galaxies and my body was there in a back bend and uh, it was ecstatic, and for me it was wonderful, but for my husband it was just scary, you know. Yeah. He can't talk about it, you know. People say, oh, you know, what's it like living with trees? Kundalini, he, I don't, he can't, I, I can't talk about it. Yeah, it was very frightening for him. But I did say to him, I, you know, I was very aware, even though I was in the galaxies, I was... Uh, I said to him, it's all right, I'm fine. You know, there's that presence of mind of it's okay, I'm fine. This is big and I'm fine, yeah. Mm. Uh, and, you know, that sort of thing just went on for years. Yeah. So the intelligence of Kundalini, what can you say about it? Uh in, including your husband in some of these experiences, um, do you think that the intelligence also understands the uh, context of your life and it's all under control in this way? Uh, no, I think it's more powerful than that. I don't think it... Uh... I don't really think it takes into consideration. I've been in uh, um, restaurants in the city and uh, had full-blown moments, you know, of the, uh, you know, something's triggered. Sometimes if I get triggered in my system, the kundalini will just go off. So I also like to mention that after the awakening, everything that's in the shadows will come up to be met and released so that you can be more in light, full of light. Um, so I've been in a cafe and incredible, like, jolting, shaking, tremoring, verbal utterances, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah. Interesting. I, I'm, 
Yeah, I'm not sure if Shakti's concerned about, um, you know, moderation or doing it in the right spot at the right time. I think uh, in my experience, Shakti is just wanting to clear everything out. Mm. Uh, occasionally I have been able to say, uh, could you please slow down? It's a bit much for my system. And that has worked. And then other times there's no stopping her. She's just on a mission, you know. And it's finding the relaxation around that, the comfort around that, the the gift around that. Uh, because there's also, uh, you know, a lot of bliss. When we talk about, you know, we've spoken about uh, the transition of sex, uh, often I had a retreat here uh, last week. It was a winter retreat. It was a tiny little retreat. And uh, we were doing a meditation. And uh, on the in-breath, we were saying our own name of God. So people all had different names of God. Some were just pure consciousness or you know, I was Meher Baba, others were this one or that one, it didn't matter. Um, and uh, during it, my whole body had what I would describe as a cosmic orgasm. It was just like bliss radiated throughout my body. And uh, I must have, and I don't remember, but I must have made a sound because afterwards they said, you had some sort of an orgasm. Yeah, and it's like, ah, you know, the bliss, the bliss flowing through through the whole body, like every cell alight, yeah. Um, so it's strong, it's big, it's tr truly trans transformative. We talk about transformation, I mean, that's what it's doing. It's transforming us. Yeah. Right. So on the topic of bliss, sometimes people hear this idea that, you know, you feel blissful. And of course, it can be very exciting, but it can also come to such a high degree that it can become debilitating and, and you become uh, you know, completely dysfunctional. Um, have you experienced this where the, the, bliss, the bliss is just so intoxicating uh i so i feel like uh there was stages like that but i feel now the bliss uh just bubbles out as pure love to the world and to the clients you know on the healing table so it's it's no longer it's not debilitating yeah right so no longer debilitating but no longer there were some yeah. periods, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah where I, well, I couldn't function. I was so blissed out. I just looked at the concrete floor and was in bliss, you know, totally non functional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I had similar uh, experiences. I, mean, I remember just laying in my bed, looking at the ceiling and crying and thinking, yeah. I feel so good. But there was this element of like, guilt because i was like i can't do this for the rest of my life there's like some some conflict there yeah. then when the bliss subsided eventually 
there was also some work to be done that was uh, related to attachment to the bliss because it now was yeah. somewhat in the background. And so the bliss yeah. comes as a great teacher. Um, you know, uh, it, it can be challenging to to relate with with ecstasy, which sounds so um, hard to believe or understand that something so incredible could be a great uh, teacher and uh, a difficult one at that. Interesting yeah. stuff. Okay, yeah, well, yeah. well, feel like my state more is stillness, like still and silent and empty. And yet the other side of that is that full and bliss and love. And it's just sort of, yeah, it's just, and, and also the human side, anything that's uh, left, any attachments that are left or any shadows surfacing up to be dealt with at the same time. Yes, I love the way you describe that. It, it's all encompassing of everything, of emptiness, of form, uh, of the human here as well. Um, incredible. Um, before we talk a little bit about your healing center, I'm just curious about some of your encounters with Sri Ramana Maharshi. Um, I think you and I share a, a similar connection. Um, would you mind sharing a little bit about... Uh, some of the encounters you described in another interview uh, with Sri Ramana? Yeah, I have had a lot of visions of both Jesus and 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 one of Ramana, one very poignant run, one of Ramana where, uh, you know, he just was walking towards me with a little calf and um, I had a house cow at the time. I used to hand milk a cow and... Uh, I don't know why he came, whether it was my love of cows or my love of God or both or whatever, but he arrived and he just, he walked past me and we just merged in the eyes and his eyes were just magnificent. Uh, I don't dwell into his teachings much, but I just, uh, I have a picture of him in my healing room along with Jesus and Mayor Baba and Muji and this one and that one. <laughs> Um. Uh. Yeah, it was just a beautiful encounter. Uh, I in the early stages of awakening, uh, you know, I I would get up from the bed and, and I would walk across the room. And this is, I wonder, many people in uh, mental hospitals that uh, say they're Jesus. You know, I would get up and I would be walking across the room. And I would feel as if I was Jesus. I'd have the robe on, the cape on, and I I would be him. And again, it's that oneness thing, you know, the more you lose of yourself, uh, the more everything else seems to come come into you. Yeah. Right. So that was a mystical experience, you know. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's common that people uh, feel like they're Jesus. Uh, it yeah. seems like uh, also they feel like, I think some people without any other context feel so incredible. And the only way that they can describe it is I must be Jesus. And um, unfortunately, of course, right. uh, yeah. you know, they don't get treated too well when they start making those claims. But uh, there's definitely something there with oh, Christ no. consciousness. Yeah. Just the Christ consciousness. Yeah. Um, you know, but these things, you know, these mystery experiences come and go. And 
you know, they it's good not to get caught on them, as you say, with the bliss. Don't get caught down any alleyway, you know. Just just keep like enjoy the experience. Be grateful for the kundalini, be grateful for everything. Mm, but don't try and hold or don't go down any side paths, you know, like uh, keep your eye on the prize <laughs> is my advice, you know, just keep thinking further into the mystery. Don't get caught anywhere. Mm. Brilliant advice. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So on that note, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your healing center, Meher mm -hmm. Farm? course we see uh your backdrop there it seems like a very beautiful space can you talk to us a little bit about what you offer there uh, we have time if you want to even speak about um you know how this came about for you that would be great as well uh yeah uh as i said the spirit guide asked me to sort of uh work on that shamanic realm uh i continued further with learning TRE, which is a healing modality, and I further went on to learn transformational body work uh, devised by Diva Dorita, who has just uh, passed this last week. So, uh, so much gratitude to him for his magnificent work. Uh, the body, you know, keeping the score of our past, uh, Transformational body work works on, uh, you know, this life, past life, intergenerational trauma in utero. Uh, it works on so many levels. People on the table will have uh, transpersonal experiences uh, which can give them an infill. They'll release trauma, you know, everything is held within the fascia and the flesh. So when you touch into a body, uh, you touch in. Uh, I was guided by God since having the big kundalini awakening uh, to get my hands on people. Mm. So I uh, thought, oh, I don't want to do massage. Uh, what, you know, I just thought what will give me something and uh, the next week after I heard put your hands on people this advertisement for transformational body work training came up and I read it read about it uh, the levels the depth of levels uh, that it went to and of course I totally believe that the trauma is held in the flesh and the nervous system people can talk stories for years on end but until until it's dealt with in the flesh and the nervous system, there's not a lot of change. Uh, so I st uh, studied this work and I've had a lot of this work done on me as well. Uh, so having done my own big healing journey and I'm still on it, you know, it's never ending because we're still in this human experience in this body. Uh, but I feel at a, a state where my nervous system is in a good resilient phase and uh, my hands are, are good to put on people. Uh, I've opened up to doing the healing work and particularly my clientele, anyone can come, but my clientele is for those interested in spiritual awakening mm -hmm. because I work on the precept that uh, 
you know, trauma really holds the beingness hostage because it's very noisy. Uh, so working on trauma for me is a path that people can actually work on for spiritual awakening. So we have Mayor Farm Healing Center where people come for body work, this, this particularly um, sacred form of body work. Uh, they come for TRE and I also do uh, retreats. When, you know, people stay in tents. There's only two bedrooms here, so two bedrooms. I stay in a caravan. Other people stay in tents uh, and we would like to build accommodation uh, one day here for people to come to retreat. So for me, true healing is... Uh, having the embodied experience of awakened consciousness. Awakening through the body. Basically. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah, on your website, there's uh, some beautiful aerial shots of your healing center uh, nestled there uh, in the uh, Australian. Can, I, can we call it the outback or is that more the... Uh, inner part of uh, the, the country you're more towards the coast and so it's sort of not the outback but it is uh it's on 17 acres and it's surrounded by beautiful mountains uh and it's half an hour from the coast so rugged coastlines and national parks and yeah it's all about silence solitude nature and we do interactive work here with the body with the nervous system uh, with healing, with noticing when we're contracted, when we're expanded, uh, you know, who's running the show, basically? Who's got right. the reins? Yeah. How free are we in this moment? Yeah. All of that sort of work with the body. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, Tree, thank you so, so much for sharing so openly with us today. Um, for our audience, all of Tree's links will be in the description. You can visit uh, the website to find out more about her offerings, workshops, retreats, as well as the uh, Kundalini support uh, that you offer uh, online as well. So uh, please uh, reach out and connect if you feel called. Tree, thank you. Thank you once again. Uh, this was a really uh, incredible talk. We covered a lot of ground. Um, I know my questions were kind of here and there, but uh uh, we got to, uh, we got a little bit of everything, um, uh, lots for me to think about. And if I can add throughout our conversation, it's been uh, a little bit of a challenge for me to uh, stay engaged because I'm feeling like I just keep going into bliss and into spaciousness. Um, and so uh, it's been a little bit of a challenge for me, but a good challenge. And I want to thank you for creating this, uh, this space Uh spaciousness i should say for me uh, and I, I imagine people out there listening are going to feel it as well it's a great energy coming from you thank you for for going on this this really incredible journey that's obviously ongoing and for offering your gifts and support to others um please i invite our audience once again connect with tree it's really incredible so thank you thank you so so much and i hope uh we can be in Thanks touch oh yeah so welcome thank yeah. you thank you all right now. So until next time, thanks everybody for tuning in. Much love.
and peace. Mm-hmm.